0: the batman universe comic podcast hey this is scott Smayer. hi this is denny o'neill my name is neil adams and this is paul vini hi my name is Dan deal this is kevin conroy
1: hey this is francis maniple
0: hi this is jim lee and you're listening to the batman universe comic podcast Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast episode number 246. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Ed. And before we get started, I feel like I'm obligated at this point to explain why Stella is not here just because anybody out there who's wondering why she isn't here. The last episode she was actually not here because something came up and she just wasn't able to record. And then basically prior to that she had told us that she wanted to take a sabbatical for a number of months during the spring and summer. So... For this episode, Ed and I will be by ourselves. But actually, next episode, we will have a new co-host filling in for Stella that will be joining us. So it's not just everyone listening to Ed and I rant back and forth with each other. Hey! But we will have a new person. But Stella is not going anywhere per se. Vacuum Oracle will still be releasing on the regularly scheduled uh, schedule that she produces those episodes. And then in addition, we're hoping that she returns for our special episode 250, in which we will be doing, we have not figured that out yet, but I will be figuring it out before the next episode, and hopefully I'll hype it up by then. But in the meantime, we are here today to talk about everything that's happened between April 1st and April 14th. We have a total of two books to cover as normal, and just a little bit of news, so let's jump into that news. The very first thing we've got is C2E2 was over the past two weeks, and I myself was actually in attendance at C2E2. DC actually announced a number of different things. Quite a bit, yeah. There was a couple different panels that DC had over the weekend. DC had a much bigger presence than the last couple years at the convention, so that's nice to see. It was also recently announced, I can't remember if I brought this up in the last episode, but it was recently announced, DC announced that they're going to be showing up at a lot more of the smaller conventions, smaller being like, you know, like Baltimore Comic Con. That's not necessarily a small one because DC has had panels before, And I can't be specific with which ones they're actually going to be because they didn't list them. But to put this in perspective, so a couple years ago, the only conventions that DC was actually attending was New York Comic Con, C2E2, and San Diego, as well as WonderCon. Those were the four that they were attending.
1: That's it, right? Yeah, that they were officially there.
0: Yes, they were officially there. And that was back when they were actually still headquartered out of New York. Then, once they made the move from New York to Los Angeles back in 2015, that was the first year where they did not go to WonderCon, and they did not go to C2E2 that year either, mostly probably because the move was happening during the time frame where both those conventions occur, But the other part of it was the following year in 2016, they just decided to skip C2E2 as well. And that wasn't, you know, because C2E2 is basically my hometown convention, that was not a great thing. But they did have some panels, but it was basically like who's in the area, who's already at the convention that we can put together to have a panel.
1: Grab some DC riders and throw them up on stage.
0: Exactly. It wasn't like there was an actual booth presence and things like that. And it was a big deal because it felt like they were reducing their presence basically at the convention. That was frustrating. But if you haven't noticed over the last couple of months, DC has been doing a number of like special unique events. This goes back in January. They had an event in where it was DC and DC 2018 where they had a number of creators and a number of the TV shows actually in Washington, D.C. for a number of different panels related to you know, women's rights, minority rights, not rights, but equal equal representation, let's say, amongst the shows. They premiered Black Lightning there. They had a lot of different things, but it was basically just a pop-up situation where they were doing a number of panels at a museum in Washington, D.C. They had a pop-up Booth that was just basically on the streets of Washington D.C. It was very, very seemingly sporadic. I mean, obviously stuff like that is very well planned, but it was it was there. They also premiered uh, Gotham by Gaslight there too. Skip forward to a couple months, they were at WonderCon, they were at Emerald City Comic Con, they were also they went to Southwest by Southwest. And they actually brought Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Lee to South by Southwest, which I never even... No, I didn't knew. know
1: that was a comics thing.
0: Yeah, I did. I know what South by Southwest is, and it actually makes sense to have comics integrated in that, but it never really has been that way. So It never would occurred to me to go as a comics
1: fan, like, I want to go to South by Southwest because there's going to be comic stuff there. Exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. But it's one of those things where, if you were there, it's broadening the presence of the brand of DC. That was where they announced... That weekend, right before South by Southwest, they announced the Black Label stuff. Needless to say, there's been a lot of different things that have been announced at various different conventions and things like that. C2E2 rolls around. They Right before that, there was an announcement that came out from DC stating that there was some sort of... I, I don't know exactly what it would be referred to as. But basically, they said that they were going to start showing up at a lot more conventions smaller scale conventions and things like that and i'm guessing some of that stuff is just places that they have not normally attended or normally had a booth they're going to have a booth they're going to have a presence it might not be a massive thing like san diego comic-con because it probably won't be but they will be doing other things to basically build the brand that is dc comics slash dc entertainment which is makes perfect sense I mean, honestly, they should be going to a lot of those places, because that's where a lot of their core audience and core demographic is, and that's where they should be sharing their, you know, the things that are upcoming and things like that. So, they said this, and I thought, that's great, let's see what they do at C2E2. They did not disappoint at C2E2, they had a booth similar to the the booth that they had back prior to 2015, so like 2014, is very similar, they had a ton more panels than they've had in the last couple years as well. There was a couple of panels that specifically deal with Batman-related stuff. There was a DC Universe panel on on Friday night. There was a Batman panel on on Saturday. There there was a lot of really good stuff. So I'm going to run down some of the news that did it, and obviously if there's something to actually talk about or discuss, I should say, we'll do that. Um, So basically on Friday night there was a DC Universe panel. There wasn't a whole lot in that panel except for... Benjamin Percy shared that the research and knowledge that he learned in preparation for his last novel was the inspiration for his upcoming story in Nightwing. Nightwing, being a low-tech hero, is put at odds with a monster based on the internet, so from the dark web. He also teased a new kind of crime called secret identity theft, Ah. which kind of was intriguing when I heard about that. Sounds
1: like blackmail.
0: Yeah. Tim Seeley teased that his theme for Batman's bachelor party is hamburgers, I have no clue what that means at well, all. I don't know if that's remember? falling in line with like the Batburger thing.
1: It's got to be like that Batburger place, right? has to be. I don't know. I,
0: I don't have any idea. But those were the big things that came out of the DC Universe panel on Friday night. Was Joelle Jones was also there and she talked about some of the DC collectible stuff. But that is obviously not what we're here to talk about. But basically, the other stuff that had to do with Batman came from the Batman panel that was on Saturday. First off, it was announced that current batman series editor jamie s rich has been named as the new batman group editor rich is taking the slot that mark doyle was in for the past few years after taking over for mike Marks prior to dc moving to the west coast doyle was recently announced as the editor of the vertigo titles as well as the recently announced black label imprint rich is actually coming from the vertigo titles to the 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 dc side of the stuff he's been the editor of the Batman series since last May and now is going to be the main back group editor. The question is what does the back group still entail? Because as we've seen over the past few years, Mark Doyle, even though he was the back group editor, there was a number of books that still didn't fall under the umbrella Of the Bat group.
1: Bat books, although they were kind of Bat books.
0: Yeah, like Red Hood and the Outlaws has been one where it's kind of been out there at one point. The group editor on that one was Eddie Berganza. I don't know why, because it has nothing to do with... It's definitely a Batman book. Yeah, but whatever. But the big news was that Joel Jones will be writing and drawing a new Catwoman solo series which will actually launch the exact same date as Batman 50, which is where the wedding is supposed to take place. It was also stated that when you are reading Batman 50 and Catwoman number one, it's important to read Batman 50 first before you read Catwoman number one. I would hope so. Which I don't know about you, but when they said that, I was kind of like, Why would I need to read the first one before the other one? I mean, obviously, it makes sense. In continuity, you want to get the order. That's fine. But if there's something that distinctly happens in 50 that's going to reflect What is happening in number one, the only assumption that I was left with was the wedding doesn't happen and Catwoman Of course. If you read Catwoman number one, it's gonna pick up with the idea that she didn't you know that she wasn't married, so obviously it'll spoil Batman fifty. If they're married, well there's not really a spoiling because you, you assume that they were getting married in the first place, which I wasn't super thrilled about hearing.
1: That's I bet you that's what happens. I don't want it to happen either, but I bet you what happens is they say You know, Catwoman doesn't get married to Batman, and Catwoman number one is her off by herself trying to find herself or something. Yeah,
0: I I don't, I don't even remember. Come on, you know it's right. I know you're right. I know know you're right. But the thing is, I just don't want to think about it. The other problem, the other thing is that there was a point during the panel where fans were asking about like who's attending the wedding. Tom King made some comment about the the guest list is one of the, the biggest secrets in DC Comics right now because there's not very many people who actually know who's attending the wedding and i kept thinking to myself but why is that a big deal in general like we as fans you telling us that oh superman or clark kent is going to attend the wedding why is why are we as fans going to be upset or not upset about somebody who is is attending like obviously if someone gets completely forgotten and is not there that would be a big deal but it's he keeps like and this isn't the first time. He said this. He said something very similar on Twitter when they announced the preludes that are coming out in June. He specifically said something else about the the guest list for the wedding because people were asking about Tim Drake. How come Tim Drake isn't one of the characters featured in the prelude? And he kept saying, like, it's not, uh, you know, the guests. He didn't say, he, he, I didn't say that Tim Drake wasn't attending. I'm just not saying who is attending the wedding. And it was some very weird, convoluted answer, in my opinion, sure. that came across as... Well, I don't have a reason why Tim Drake isn't in the series, just like I don't have a reason why Tim Drake wasn't in the series in the past when once he came back or before he disappeared. I'm not just I'm just not addressing Tim Drake whatsoever for whatever weird reason. Sure, he's not important or anything. But the idea that this guest list is some sort of like huge secret, I don't know why it would be a massive secret. Do you have any idea why it would be a massive secret?
1: I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is who's getting married? Is it Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle or Batman and Catwoman?
0: That's true. Yeah, I guess I guess you know, if you're looking at it like that, that's a very good point because then I guess the the question is, you know, are the people who are invited you have to assume that if it's Bruce and Selina, then the vast majority That's a whole of, different guest yeah, list. It, right? Yeah, exactly because then you just have to assume that everybody who does come has to know both of their secret identities.
1: Well, because think, think about this.
0: Well, they wouldn't have to
1: because you would almost think you would almost think by necessity in a way, that they would be two weddings, right? Because Bruce Wayne is the Prince of Gotham, right? His marriage, if it's a public wedding and and the world knows that Bruce Wayne is in fact getting married, right? I mean, in today's age, to write it even semi logically, aren't you gonna have to have media there? Aren't you gonna exactly, wouldn't it be yeah. covered? Like so I almost think there needs to be Two weddings, and maybe we'll do that in 50 well, and whole, 51. There's a whole
0: issue with the <laughs> the perception of everything that's going on, because if Selena Kyle, let's be clear here, we still haven't gotten the clear up of the whole she's been framed or she took the blame for mass all murderer. those mass murders. <laughs> yeah. And let's be clear, in Tom King's run himself, he has had her incarcerated in Arkham Asylum as this horrible murderer. The fact that Selena Kyle is potentially marrying, or Selena Kyle, the potential mass murderer who was previously incarcerated in Arkham Asylum, could potentially be marrying Bruce Wayne, billionaire playboy philanthropist, is a little, little crazy.
1: Well, it, they'd have. Well, that string has got to get tied up because we had a whole story where Batman went to the desert.
0: Yeah, to find Holly Robinson to clear it up, but they never actually
1: did. But then nothing ever happened. Like, then we came back and we had our Wonder Woman story and our Superman story, and we haven't actually cleared this up, so he has to clear that up by the wedding.
0: Yeah, the problem is that I feel like, uh, and this is the thing, because like I want the wedding to happen, I really do. I do too. But I feel like the stuff that we're getting as this lead-up to the wedding is not what you would be getting if this was a long-term thing. And that's, that's the massive problem I have with this. Like, the thing is, I keep thinking to myself, if the plan was to actually make Bruce and Selena, they're actually getting married, they're, one, I don't know why that stupid situation with her incarcerated for this mass murder would have ever even taken place since it didn't exist prior to that.
1: It, it served no point.
0: Yeah, like, it only created a dilemma for them to have to hurdle over sometime in the future that's the biggest problem the other thing is like there there's clear situations where they have to address things like it's if this is just like a a secret wedding where Batman is marrying Catwoman, and they're going to be in costume getting married, or they're just going to pull back their their cowl or their their the the head part of their costume, and it's just going to be attended by like the Bat Family, and maybe League, like, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Justice League, whatever. Like if it's just them, that's fine. But then, the, but the issue is that if that's not the way they're going, and it's actually going to be a public thing where it's Bruce and Selina getting married there's no way that they can do that with all these over, these looming situations that they keep presenting. No. Like, the problem is, like, if they were to get married, there'd have to be some sort of resolution to whether or not she's ever been arrested. We know that she's been arrested, at least in Tom King's run, and she was incarcerated. They'd have to have that resolution. Instead, we know that, After the issue we're going to cover today, we know that there's going to be three issues that feature Booster Gold getting Bruce Wayne a wedding gift. Like, I think the solution of resolving the situation with Catwoman Selina Kyle being a murderer is a little bit more important than Booster Gold taking or creating an alternate universe where Bruce Wayne's parents didn't die. And
1: I'll tell you what, what better not happen or I will be angry is if it's done in some, like, off-panel-land throwaway line crap. Where it's like, we start uh issue 48, and Jason says to, you know, Alfred, boy, I'm really glad we got that thing with Selena worked out in those murder charges, huh?
0: I don't think... Then the problem is, I don't even feel like it's ever even going to get to that. I think it'll just happen... Well, you can't just not mention it! Do you remember <laughs> the whole thing? There, at New York Comic Con, Bertone was there for TBU, and he actually interviewed Tom King, and he made a comment about how... There are certain things that he expects the readers to just put together, you know, that happen off panel. Bull, there was reference to some stuff related to Gotham Girl, I believe it was the discussion or War of Jokes and Riddles and how some of that there was so much stuff that happened off panel in War of Jokes and Riddles. And the thing is like Like the whole story. He, the thing the thing in my mind is, yes, you know, you're absolutely right. There are plenty of things that can happen off panel. But when you like as a as a comic book that releases twice a month there's plenty of opportunity to have stuff happen that's not on the page but when you get that collected version and the collected version is read in one you know sit down and you're reading the entire thing through and there's massive holes in the story because
1: and it still doesn't make sense
0: yeah yeah, yeah that's where it becomes a humongous glaring problem and the thing is it, it just it, it's going the route of If they're not showing that that's been resolved and they're not focusing on Bruce and Selina out in public with each other. Because literally the only time we ever see them is they're in bed with each other sleeping or, you know, doing other things.
1: Running around in costume.
0: Or they're running around in costume. You never actually see the two of them in any other situation outside of Wayne Manor.
1: So a a secret wedding? Do you think this is what we're going to have? Like they're married in secret and nobody knows? Because that would be a crock of...
0: That would be stupid. Yeah. I mean, that would be that'd be worse than them not getting married, honestly. Because the thing is like the it presents the entire situation, like the entire situation presents by having Bruce and Selena get married and not just Batman and Catwoman get married. That's what presents the interesting storylines that could take place. Having somebody who is reformed, which I'll get to it in a second, turns out she's not reformed. But having somebody who is a burglar married to somebody who basically captures burglars.
1: Not basically, does.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. It is a very interesting situation where like, she has her itches, he has his itches. Can they coexist? That would be really interesting. Having them in a relationship and not even exploring that up to the wedding, is the biggest problem that I'm having. Like, I feel like there's so much lost story potential here. Like, do I really need to see a Booster Gold story with an alternate world where Bruce Wayne's parents are alive for three issues? No, I really don't. Well, if the wedding's not going to happen, this is the kind of conversation and, and discussion stuff that I want to see.
1: And, and I know we're, we're talking about it, so I'm going to skip ahead a bit, but one of the things they said at C2E2 was that What Booster Gold is doing will have no effect on continuity. Yeah. So why are we doing it?
0: Exactly. (laughs) It's like, here's three issues just to basically fill in space until we get to the wedding. Have a nice day. Because we have to have the wedding at this specific number 50 spot.
1: It's BS. Like, I don't know. But I will say this, but for the Catwoman ongoing, I do like Jones. I think that I like her art. We'll see how her writing goes. But there is... No way in the world that this Quiet Woman comic can be worse than Anne Nocenti's run. That's all I'm gonna say. I agree with that. Not possible.
0: I honestly, I think it'll be pretty good. No, I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah. Now, see, the thing is, I have not read anything else that Joelle Jones has done. Tom King had mentioned Lady Killer, so she wrote a series called Lady Killer. And it had multiple volumes, so there's not just, it wasn't just like a one-and-done situation. Interestingly enough, she was involved with the, the editor on the series, involved in some way. I don't know in what way, I just see his name attached to it. Jamie Rich, who, the new Bat Group editor, he was also attached to Lady Killer in some way. But the author is listed as Joel Jones, the illustrator is Joel Jones. I remember Tom King talking about Lady Killer and saying that the book was amazing. But I don't, I've never read it, so I can't speak to it. But that being said, if that book did extremely well and/or did well, it doesn't even have to do extremely well because I guess looking at it, says uh, it was published by Dark Horse Comics from 2015 to 2017.
1: That's a pretty good run. Yeah, I might I might see if I can get a cheap trade of that somewhere and check it out.
0: Yeah. So she she's done some other stuff, but I guess that's what she's best known for is that because I like her art um, a lot. Yeah. I like her art too. I think her on Catwoman will be a, a, a great that's a great spot for her to be. Yeah. My only concern is we as we've seen in the past certain people who are writing and drawing at the same time tend to have issues with keeping up.
1: It's a, it's a monthly book though, right? It's not double.
0: Yeah, it is monthly. It's not coming out twice per month and I, that that's a plus because the the twice per month should only be for the big books not some of these other ones but they've rectified some of that now that it's been two years but if she was previously doing lady killer and lady killer was coming out monthly which is probably likely then she probably has an understanding of how to go about making sure that she stays on schedule and does it i mean like quite honestly like i'm not going to sit here and say i've written comics or i've drawn comics so i can't say that i know exactly how long this process takes but i'm sure it does not take a little bit of time i know writing comics does not take nearly as much time as drawing comics, even though the writing is normally what ends up getting the most praise, at least by us because we're so bad about talking about the art. Correct. But but the thing is, like I know that like Scott Snyder over the years has he's written multiple series that come out per month. You know, there's other writers who write multiple series per month. It's not they don't need to, they don't have to just write one series. They've got plenty of time to do two three in some cases four series four different books per month you look at stuff like tom king tom king's tr- currently doing two issues of batman per month and he's doing mr miracle and that's and th- that's right now so that's three scott snyder is going to be doing two issues of justice league it, before he was doing at the beginning of the new 52 he's doing swamp thing and batman plus he was doing you know whatever he was whatever however he was involved with so many other titles that his name was on whether it be crossovers or the series that were spinning out of his events that his name was attached to or whatever but like he's clearly involved with a multiple different projects so it's it's not entirely impossible and obviously we've seen plenty of artists that can churn out a book every single month That's not an issue either for most artists. It's just a matter of how much work actually needs to go into each and every single issue. So, all right. So some of the other points, Tom King pointed out that just because Catwoman is getting married, it doesn't mean that she's reformed. She is still the same thieving character that has existed for over 75 years. The upcoming story arc featuring Tony Daniel and Art features Booster Gold trying to give Batman a gift that he could never have, a world where his parents were never killed. The three-issue arc features a very different world, but the effects shown are not part of continuity, just a glimpse of what could have been. See earlier comments. Yes, we are already talking about that. The upcoming DC Nation number zero was teased as it features an eight-page story featuring the Joker. A variant cover from Clayman was also shown. If you want to check that out, it's over on the site. It basically has uh, Joker playing the role of the priest, while Batman and Catwoman both have, they both have Joker smiles attached to their faces. Sean Murphy was asked about returning to the world of White Knight, given that the final issue of the series releases in May. He teased that there could be an announcement coming at New York Comic Con this fall, but one character he plans on featuring in the second volume is Azrael. Ah,
1: oh, come on!
0: So what's interesting about this is he refused to confirm that he was coming back, but then he then later said that the second volume will have Azrael. So he's basically just saying it's not the we second volume is not going to get blah, announced blah, blah, blah. until New York Comic Con, and that's when they'll probably announce the release date for it. But yeah a number of creators are contributing to Batman number 50 in some form including Joel Jones Tony Daniel Michael Jannon David Finch Frank Miller Jim Lee and Jose Luis Garza- Garcia Lopez no idea how they're contributing as you're listening to this solicitations have released hopefully we'll have the entire list up by the time you're listening to this otherwise we'll talk about it next episode as well but the idea is I'm guessing it's going to be an oversized issue because it's number 50 one would
1: think yeah
0: how much oversized don't have any idea um 799 I the interesting thing about this is that I I distinctly remember somebody asked if David Finch was off the title because he hasn't been on any of the story arcs for a while and Tom King's response was simply oh he's got a few pages in Batman number 50 I'm sure that's not all he's been doing I'm sure he's going to be doing something else but the thing is this many creators attached I was thinking to myself maybe this just means there's going to be multiple variant covers because they tend to have tons of uh, of artists to Variant covers for big things like this. I mean, there's like a massive amount of fifty variant variant covers. covers? Yeah, for action comics, oh god, there's a a ton of variant covers for that. Not to mention hardcore or hardcover and uh, softcover versions and things like that. Batman Fifty is not going to get that kind of treatment, but I was just thinking maybe that's how all these people are going to be involved because it seems just based off of the list that they provided, there's a total of seven names even if it was a 50 page book which i don't actually see happening because it'll be twice as big as normal even if it was a 50 page book they're each going to have less than like 10 pages it'll be it like just... a
1: panel or something i don't think they're going to do pages i think variant covers are smart and tony daniel may not draw anything he could just write some of it
0: i don't think that'll happen but but the other possibility is they could do something where like they have like a spot in the back of the book where it's like a wedding album and then you just yeah, have that, yeah. you know, you have an artist like do a picture for the wedding album or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of. But anyway, um, a question was asked about the three jokers tease that Jeff Johns had in the DC Universe Rebirth. Number one, uh, Jimmy Rich specifically said that Jason Fabik is working on pages related to that tease, and Jeff Johns is working on the script. So that is going to come, probably not in the very near future. I don't know if that's going to like if Fabik is working on it now unless it's like a six-issue miniseries that he's trying to get in the bag like way ahead of time. It seems like if he's working on it now, we should probably hear something about that maybe at San Diego, maybe at New York Comic Con at the latest. It seems like if they don't announce it by New York Comic Con, which is in October, and he's working on it right now in April, that seems a little excessive. I mean, like, I know that DC want, you know, has a tendency with the miniseries to get ahead. That seems a little overkill, but... Just a bit. Yeah. There was also a checklist handed out at the Batman panel featuring DC Nation Zero, all five of the preludes, Batman 48 through 50 and Catwoman number one. There's a web address on the, the actual... Wedding invitation that specifically was dccomics.com/slash wedding. Um, unfortunately, they I I don't know why they dropped the ball on that, but it just goes to Batman 44. They intended to actually doing something with that when you go to that website, it's just a solicitation for Batman number 44, or they
1: haven't done it yet,
0: yeah, or they haven't done it yet. It just redirects to that Batman that other one. It might
1: come out in like 48 and they make the URL live or some crap,
0: yeah, I don't know. Uh, Or after maybe DC Nation Zero, because maybe the checklist is in the DC Nation Zero, which comes out at the beginning of May. Okay, so then outside of that, uh, the last thing, which was not at the Batman panel, Christopher Priest talked about the current Deathstroke story arc featuring Batman and said that the arc puts Damien's lineage in question, as Slade Wilson may have been Damien's real father all along. Um, If you haven't read it, Deathstroke number 30 was where this started. Uh, We're going to cover it in Greater Gotham but the issue has already released and Industrial currently comes out monthly, but it's a six-issue story arc that's going to be happening for a while now. Um, But Batman and Damien's lineage is is basically the biggest gist of this. But Priest had said that he does not know exactly how the six-issue arc will conclude as DC Comics will decide on who truly is Damien's father, stating that fans may have the ability to share their choice in the matter because DC is listening. So, no. the question I pose to you is... No. Would you want... <laughs> would you want any of this stuff... Or the, the, the question of who is Damien's father changed?
1: Nope.
0: Yeah, me either. I mean, like, Damien <laughs> no. has... Da- Damien's been a pain in the butt for, you know, years. But I think that in since middle of the New 52 and through Rebirth, I think the character has... Kind of gotten to a point where I, I'm completely fine with the character. I don't have any issues with the character whatsoever. And I think that by changing his father permanently to Deathstroke would just basically... Dumb. In, in my opinion, I don't see how this could go any way except for Batman stays Damien's father. I mean, like, I don't know what there is to gain from changing this other than just to eliminate Damien from the Bat family.
1: no. I just... It's just I, this is a no, right? Like, yeah. and, and here's the truth. Like, I hate to, like, bring these logical things into our love of comic books, but if they were going to change Damien's father to Deathstroke and it wasn't going to be anything more than a stunt that lasted for uh, three issues until we found out the truth, it happened in Batman or Detective. That's true. Come on. Right? Like, or Super Sons, if it was still around, or, you know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah. It's not going to happen in Deathstroke, because... Half the people that read Batman probably read more than half the people that read Batman, but if you look at the sales numbers, definitely aren't reading Deathstroke, right? Yeah, so it's a no. And I just no. Damien's, I mean, Damien was input in uh, by Grant. What are we talking 15 years ago now?
0: 2007,
1: so 11 years. Yeah, I mean, at this point, retconning him into Deathstroke's kid would just be kind of because it takes the punch out of all those stories, yeah. And then, how does that work in a reap now? Just, no, it's cute. It's a cool. It's a cool idea for a storyline, but no.
0: The problem is, I think in, in I'm, and, and this is nothing against Christopher Priest because I think he's a great writer, but I feel like he may have just been trying to like build the potential of drama in this storyline. To I mean, if it's happening for six issues, there's got to be some sort of like question. You've got to build the question in some way, and yeah. by him. Going out there and saying, "Hey, this is a possibility. If you want it to change, let your voice be heard," you know, then it builds it builds the anticipation for whatever you know whatever the outcome is going to be. I don't think in my logical mind that there can be any way that this goes other than it's just a story, and it could be interesting. It could be really great. But if it ends up any way except for Bruce Wayne st- is still Damien's father, I just Not I don't see the long-term gain by having that happen. Like, I guess the gain would be towards Damien having a spotlight in the pages of Deathstroke and having Deathstroke having Damien. But I, Dam- Deathstroke has already had – ha- he has had multiple offspring, Rose Wilson, Jericho, Grant – if they wanted to use other characters, why wouldn't they use those characters? Why? What would be the necessity for them to use a character that's already linked to a completely different group of characters? It's but,
1: not necessary.
0: Yeah. Period. All right. Okay, so the last thing we've got is, so like I said, solicitations are right around the corner. One of the things that DC announced, I guess July is going to be another not-so-big month for announcements as far as the Batman universe goes. We've got the Catwoman series coming. Um, and we've got the we already had the announcement that Harley Quinn is gonna be taken over by Sam Humphreys. But the other the other news that's that's outside of the realm of the Batman universe is going to be Superman because Superman's gonna relaunch, Action Comics 1001 is gonna happen, Brian Michael Bendis' issues are gonna be happening, his first normal issues. Not part of the miniseries that he's doing is going to be releasing, as well as the launch of Justly Dark and Just League Odyssey, which we talked about last episode. So I'm guessing that's where the big focus is going to be. Something has to happen in August. Uh, here's the thing. And I was thinking about this, and I can't remember if we talked about this the last episode, but with the announcement that Super Suns and um back or birds of prey was ending in may i was kind of left in a situation where i was like well you know if that stuff's ending there's bound to be something that's going to replace it and then at the same time in july there's a number of different mini series that are wrapping up batman sins of the father which is the telltale game series comic tie-in which is outside of continuity but it's still a mini series they've got this month we have the end of batman teenage miniature turtles Batman Brave and the Bold, one, or the Brave and the Bold, Batman One Woman's going to be wrapping up. White Knight's going to be wrapping up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's wrapping up that is Batman-related right now. Uh, the second book for Dark Prince Charming's coming out. So I kept thinking, well, July makes logical sense for some books to be announced and things like that. But at this point, the only thing that we know that is coming in July outside of the normal books is we've got Catwoman launching her new series, and there's a Batman 66 Archie crossover series that's happening. That's not even being published by DC Comics. It's actually being published by Archie Comics. Those two are the only ones. There's nothing else. In June, it made sense that there was a little bit less Bat books because they had the five preludes that were happening that were taking up a bunch of slots for other books that made sense. But with July not getting anything again, I'm wondering if there's something, some sort of shift that's going to happen. And the problem is it can't ruin the wedding. And I don't know that the wedding is determinately going to decide the future of a lot of these series. But I feel as if there's something that's going to be changing um, at at the very earliest by August. Because Ryan uh, Hill, who's going to be on Detective Comics is his last issue comes out in the middle of August. So the second issue of Detective Comics will have a new writer on it in August. And I'm not saying that they have to keep as many Bat-books. By all means, if they reduce the number of Bat-books or characters appearing in Bat-books, that's actually less pressure on myself and the website to churn out as much stuff as we do on a weekly basis with reviews. Because there are weeks that we churn out anywhere from 7 to 10 to 12 comics per week because of how much stuff is coming out. But it seems as if they're distinctly shifting from having as many bat books to other stuff. And I thought this was going to happen, and then I realized that all of this new age DC Heroes stuff that's coming out, all the artist-focused series, those have been slowly releasing since January. I thought that there was going to be some stuff that was going to happen now that White Knight and Ninja Turtles is wrapping up, but then I realized, well, the new age of DC Superheroes, that stuff is coming out, and that's actually kind of taking the slots So that they're not producing even more stuff. May has a bunch of miniseries with Just League No Justice. And they've got The Man of Steel. Those are weekly. they got Preludes in in June for the wedding. So there's a lot of stuff. So I guess the thing I'm wondering is if it's not Happy in July at this point. I mean, we have not heard anything about anything else outside of what we've already talked about Happy in July August seems like it's gonna ha- something's going to happen. The question is, could they keep it and push it back to even September and wait until the wedding? Or do you feel like the wedding has no effect on the future of the other books?
1: The wedding hopefully will have a very big impact on the future of the books. If they don't get married, then no, it doesn't have any effect. I guess it just depends on what happens in the story, right? Like, yeah. It should, but there is certainly a way where you could see that it wouldn't. That's not a
0: great yeah, I, answer, I know, but I mean... Yeah, I know, I mean, but it's it's an answer. I mean, the thing is, we don't have any idea. My, my biggest concern is this. With tying in off of Detective Comics in May, there's a lot of characters that are going to not be... They're not going to be being used in any other title at that point. Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, Cassandra Cain. We don't even know if these characters are even to show up at the wedding because Tom King hasn't used any of those characters or referenced any of those characters in any of the stuff that he's been doing. So the the issue that I'm I'm, I'm concerned about is Detective Comics is going to be telling a standalone single, or not single, but five-issue story arc featuring Batman and Black Lightning, which is fine, you know, there's no problem with that. But I want the series to have a definitive direction going forward, especially leading up to 1,000 instead of just having fill-in stories to 1,000 as well. So I'm hoping that happens. If they don't do that, I also vaguely, not vaguely, I I distinctly remember this, but there was a vague comment that Tynan had made on Twitter about, somebody asked him if any of the other members of the Gotham Knights crew that's in Detective Comics would be appearing in his new book, Justly Dark. The only Bat-related character that's appearing in Justly Dark at this point is Man Bat, but he said that he didn't have any immediate plans for any of the other Gotham Knights, but he was working on a project that he couldn't talk about revolving around some of the members of the Gotham Knights, which led me to believe that maybe, just maybe, this idea of the Tim Drake team with Cassandra and Stephanie and who knows who else could uh, could be the project that he's talking about, even though that project was never said to be done. Right, yeah. It's just something we hypothesized. But he said that there's something coming that he's working on. So I'm wondering if August is going to be kind of like a launching point for some new stuff. The problem is that if August is that launching point, it can't be affected by the wedding, specifically because the wedding's in July. If they're not going to ruin anything about the wedding until July, the stuff for August and September and October is already going to be announced before the wedding even comes out.
1: Well, they could always just boondoggle it and not put junk in the the solicitation. That is true.
0: Okay, well, the other thing that is Happy in July, which is not necessarily specifically Batman related, there is a special that's coming out. It's an 80-page anthology called DC Beach Blanket Bad Guy Special. And the solicitation says, It's summertime in the DCU, and the bad guys are taking over. Beat the heat with ten all-new stories by top comics talent starring DC's most spectacular supervillains. In this issue, we find out what Mr. Freeze does on the hottest day in Gotham City, learn what made Grodd such a bad gorilla, Len, while in a small beach town, Destro gets hired for murder by the last person you expect, and the Joker and Bizarro team up for a truly weird summer bromance. And that's obviously only five of the ten. Um, there's a number of creators that are attached to this: Paul Dini, Lee Bermejo, Carlos De Karina Bacheco, Shea Fontana, Gabrielle Hardman. There's a ton of, that are attached. the The interesting to me thing to me is this seems like the alternative to the DC Holiday Special.
1: Yeah, it's all it is. It's just another one of those specials.
0: It's basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So, this is coming out on July 25th for $9.99. This was one of the few things they announced prior to solicitations coming out. Also, prior to solicitations releasing, they announced the teams for Titans and Team Titans. Not a whole lot of surprises there. Nightwing is going to be leading the team with Raven, which we already knew because that was announced at WonderCon. And there's some members on the team that are a little bit out of the box, but nothing Batman related. Teen Titans is still going to be led by Damian Wayne. There's some out of the box characters there too, but nothing Batman related. So those are coming in July too, but that's the only stuff that they've actually announced prior to solicitations coming out. So outside of that, that is all the news. Be sure to check out every Monday, most every Monday. I say that knowing that there's going to be a couple weeks coming up here in the very near future where... Last Week in the Batcave is going to be taking a couple weeks here and there off, but normally Last Week in the Batcave posts up on Monday mornings. That's where you'll get a lot of the hints and updates and art hints and stuff like that that has been released by creators through social media and things like that. So be sure to check out the website. Jessica puts that together and it normally releases every single Monday morning or at least by lunchtime, that is. So definitely check out that. There's always a ton of stuff related to all the different Bat books in general, so be sure to check that out. Outside of that, we're going to jump straight into our comic reviews. And the first one we've got is Batman.
1: Well, this is going to be relatively short. Batman number 44, Tom King writing, Mikhail Janin and Jolie Jones on art. It's pretty simple. This is the story of Catwoman picking out her wedding dress. Her shopping does feel more like theft. As she is shopping or stealing her wedding dress, we do see flashbacks to all different time periods, with the emphasis being on the different costumes that they have worn throughout their time together. So we see all the classic Catwoman and Batman rolled out, as well as classic Robin in there, too. No, no, No pixie boots, but anyway. And that's it. And at the end, she steals the wedding dress she likes, she puts it in the closet, and she goes back to bed. That's the story, folks. That's what we got. So here's my questions for you. Do you feel like this story is just a bunch of flashbacks strung together for the sense of nostalgia? Or is there a story here?
0: I think the idea is that... So there was an article that we had on the site that was done by Josh Bertone. If you are a longtime listener or you've been paying attention to the website for a number of years, a couple years back, Tom King and Tim Seeley did an issue of Grayson. That had Dick Grayson standing there, and there was a, all these word bubbles surrounding him of uh, references to all these different things that happened from his past. And Don put together an article showing off where all those references were coming from. This issue is very, very similar to that in the fact that there's it's similar in the fact that they're referencing the past, but different in the fact that it's spread out amongst the entire issue instead of just a singular page where all of that stuff happened. And Grayson. This comes across as they are trying to showcase the history of Batman and Catwoman's relationship and how weird and twisted some of the stuff has been over the years because the characters have been basically flirting with each other or in a relationship with each other off and on for decades in the publication history of the comics. And I think this is a way for them to showcase some of that relationship history between the two of them without going crazy overboard i mean there's a lot of stuff in here that i don't know that it's entirely necessary but it just comes across as it's there because they're trying to showcase these characters have been you know off and on with each other for for years 75 um, to be yeah so the thing is like i'm completely okay with the idea. i mean like Obviously, they get the other underlying story element here is that Catwoman finds the dress that she wants. And that that's the underlying thing. Is that a huge deal? Probably not as big of a deal as clearing her name for murder. No. But hey, you know, what do I know? The thing is, like, as a standalone issue, I, this is another one of those things where, like I said before, Tom King does an amazing job when he has these really, really short, short stories that are trying to serve a very, very specific point. The Superman, Lois Lane one was only two issues. It was very good. I thought this issue was really good, too, because it just, like, I'm looking at it from the perspective of it's not necessarily trying to move the story along. It's just trying to showcase the relationship between the two of them and how, over the years, how how different things have been between them and not just them, but also just because of the way the comics have published and how things have changed over the years so like in general i'm completely okay with this not being like a massive move forward towards their you know their wedding situation i say that with this knowing that the next three issues after this is going to be this booster gold story which i feel is going to be a much more it's going to be much more detrimental to the progression of getting to the wedding than than something like this is
1: Yeah, I don't think this is bad. I just don't – I've kind of got this feeling recently that we're just treading water in this book, right? Yep, yep. Like 50 – See that. (laughs) Like 50 is when they're getting married, they can't get married before 50 because, you know, it's issue number 50. And we're just treading water. Like this – it's not bad. It's cool. Like we get to see all these different costumes and stuff, which is – like I said, it's fine. It's just – it doesn't add anything to the story. It's fine. She steals the wedding dress. But it just, I I don't know, I just, I really get to the feeling now when I open up Batman, we're just waiting for issue number 50 to get here. You know? Yeah, and it was entertaining. It's not terrible. It's just not particularly moving the story forward, like you said. So that's where I'm at there. The art in this issue is very good. And looking through here, I was just kind of wondering, like, of all the Catwoman costumes, do you have one that is your favorite through the years? Because we talk about Batman's costume all the time. Like, when Capullo did the new Batman, it was like a whole conversation thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the question becomes, where are we at on
0: this? So I, I also think that the art was amazing. Uh, the Joel Jones, the present day stuff that was dealing with the dress amazing makes me really look forward to whatever joelle jones is going to be doing with the ongoing series that she's launching because i think that if anything she is really really meant to be drawing somebody like catwoman the Mikel janin stuff which was basically all the flashback art was also amazing because it showcased so many different costume styles like you said it's just it's kind of crazy because it's hard it's hard to believe that she's literally had all of these different. I mean, obviously Batman has had variations into his costume too, but some of this stuff is just crazy. Like the green cat suit that she's wearing with the weird green, the weird green mask. Like it. it oh man, some of this, it, some of this stuff is hard to believe that she even wore. Like I remember seeing the preview and thinking to myself, like I, I have no problem admitting I have not read a lot of Golden and Silver Age comics the majority of what I've started reading was in the seventies. And I've read a lot of the stuff from the seventies forward. So like some of this stuff I hadn't, I had not actually seen myself in publication. So, was, so when I saw the preview and saw some of the stuff that she was wearing, I was like, what is this stuff? And it was great that Bertoni put together that article that I strongly suggest you guys check out. If you haven't showing the references to all of these flashback scenes. But if I had to pick a favorite costume, by far, my favorite costume is is definitely the Hush costume. I feel like it's the one that makes the most sense. The more modern um, version.
1: The yeah, about the that. more
0: modern version. The version that I think was made most popular by Jim Lee and Hush. But I feel like that one makes the most sense. Like, there's there's plenty of other costumes that I think work for the time period that they're from. But, like, in today's world and in today's age, you're not going to have... Catwoman running around in a purple dress with a giant green cape it's just not feasible it doesn't make any sense like back when she probably wasn't doing as much as she is now like I think crime is a very very different thing than it was back in the 40s you know and and 50s you have to be a lot more stealthy it's not just walk in and, and just grab something like it was back then and I'm not saying that I'm not trying to trivialize crime back then by any means, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like there's a lot more work that goes into like pulling off a heist or burglarizing something than it was than than had to be back then. Just because, like, there's places that have security systems and and, and cameras and all that stuff, and that stuff wasn't super common when she had some of these other outfits or invented. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. the thing is, like, I probably say, but my my favorite costume by far is probably the the Jim Lee Hush more modern version but and I can tell you what my least favorite one was which is the green one? no actually I don't actually mind the green one because the green one if she wore that green one now outside of the fact that it's green her, her her it's green yeah it makes no sense that it's green outside of the green element it's very similar to just you know a simple cat suit yeah you know, the the, oh, sure. the very tight suit that she has now, it's just it's just green. I also don't like the fact that her entire head is exposed either. I think the idea of, like, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around this, but, like, any of the, the women in the Bat family, like Batgirl, Batwoman, they've explained it with Batwoman, but, like, when they have their hair outside of the cowl and they get into fights, that's just, like, a, the immediate place that I would assume someone would try to grab.
1: You would think so. And they
0: explained it for Batwoman where, you know, her head's shaved and it's a wig. So if they pulled on it, it's not going to actually affect her because it's all attached to the suit. But like somebody like Barbara or Catwoman, you wouldn't want your hair to be exposed to people you potentially were fighting. That's just me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's the issue with that. But the costume that I actually despise probably the most out of all the costumes that have existed over the years is actually the nineties version of the the purple cat suit that she used to wear. Oh the, purples, the, the purple
1: sparkly. Yeah with the hot big yeah. boots.
0: Yeah, I man, like it worked for that time frame, but I think that there's also a an, a weird necessity in the nineties to make her chest a heck of a lot bigger. Power girling of her? Yeah. We could exactly. Say? And I think that was just that was just the nineties because that was a necessity. In the nineties but I think in that that's probably by far the the costume I, I despise the most. Now, there was a scene in the book that actually showcased that costume, but the scene that they were actually referencing was actually something that was the old purple dress costume. So I don't know if that was purposely a mistake or if they were just trying to make sure that they had a spot to focus the purple suit from the 90s. But yeah, that's probably my least favorite.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think the Hush costume is the most appropriate especially for today's comic books. I have a soft spot for the purple dress. It is completely ridiculous now, you know, but that was the kind of the, the, the classic golden age one. So I, I kind of have a soft spot for that one. The one that they didn't put in here that I really wish they did was the, and I know it's not part of comics per se, but is the Batman, the animated series one, the gray. I really wish, I really, I really wish they put the gray one. I always really liked that costume. I wish they had a, long, a run in the comics, but it doesn't. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it's Hush too. And then, like I said, I do have a fondness for the old purple one. But it was nice to see these kind of put out there because you do realize, man, some of these are just ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, what were we doing here? But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was fun to see all the costumes again. But that's where my favorites were. That's all I got.
0: All right. So I am going to give this issue a total of uh, three and a half out of five
1: three out of five it's the definition of it's fine you know
0: and over on the website corbin gave it four and a half so that's going to give the issue a total of three and a half out of five better ranks let's move into our next book detective comics detective comics number 978 written by james the iv art by javier fernandez in the cave, Batman with Red Robin on crutches go over the slaughter caused by the colony soldiers who they have captured. Tim believes that Batwoman ordered the strike, but Bruce knows that there's something deeper going on since the soldiers are injured as if they struggled against the suits. He leaves Tim to guard them while he seeks out Kate. Ulysses Armstrong tracks the Batmobile to Kane Manor where Kate and Jake wait for him with the colony helicarrier hovering above. Jake opens by telling Bruce about the Kane motto stemis simula we stand together and how his mother hated it kate tells bruce that neither she nor her dad ordered the strike on the mobsters wanting to earn bruce's trust to stand together cass walks into the cave as tim observes the captured colony soldiers And he tries to see if she's okay. She struggles with their mission since it led to Clayface's death. And Tim tries to offer to learn Shakespeare with her to help her. The reference to the transformation in a Midsummer's Night Dream transpires Tim to check the soldier's blood for nanotech. Ulysses shaves his long hair, giving himself the military cut, and orders Brother Eye to take control of all of the colony soldiers. On the helicarrier, Luke Fox and Sean Paul Valley watch in horror as their new teammates are transformed into one-man army corps, which is also known as OMAC. And probably more known as OMAC. One of the most deadly cybernetic foes Batman has ever faced. Ulysses broadcasts to Tim and Cass and tells them he plans to kill everyone stupid enough to stand in his way, just as he triggers OMAC to take over Tim. Alright, so that was the issue so the first thing i want to talk about is the idea of the omax so the cover for 979 i believe yeah 979 i believe featured or maybe it was just the final panel of this issue there was something i saw prior to this issue coming out and i want to say it was the cover but i uh, a cover but i can't remember and honestly when i'm thinking about it it doesn't make any sense. It, 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 I guess it could be 979. Anyway, the point is on the cover, it shows Tim becoming an OMAC. And I kept thinking to myself, where the heck are they going? And then I thought immediately, oh crap, is this why he's not at the wedding because this is happening? You an know, Mac? And then I was thinking, oh man, I hope they're not going this way. And the thing is, I don't think they are. I think. Not forever. That, no. Yeah, not forever. I mean, like, it's probably a temporary thing just for maybe two issues or something like that. But I feel as if the idea, I feel like Tynan of all people would not go the route of like taking Tim Drake off the board and by having him be completely eliminated or have him an OMAC permanently or anything like that. I just don't see Tynan who absolutely adores the character of Tim Drake doing that to the character right before he leaves. It just it just doesn't make any sense. So that being said, what do you feel the reason for here's the thing that I'm struggling with okay so on the helicarrier you see you see Batwing and Azrael seeing the colony soldiers being taken over by the you know the OMAC but and then in the Batcave presumably the OMAC that's taking over Tim Drake came from one of the soldiers that you know is, is captured and is in the Batcave by the way horrible idea to take anybody that potentially is corrupted in a corrupt suit To The Batcave. I think that's a horrible idea. Not smart. I don't know why you would be bringing people back to the Batcave anyway. They did this in, what was it? I can't, was it Batman Eternal where they did it? Or it was Batman Robin Eternal, I think, with Hush. They had Hush imprisoned in the Batcave like the entire series. And I just didn't understand it or why they would do that. And not what I'm thinking about, I believe that was Tynan who was writing that stuff too. I don't know why you would bring any bad guy back to the Batcave. It just. To me, doesn't make any sense,
1: not unless they're dead. Yeah, the
0: fact that Ulysses is tracking the Batmobile to Kane Manor makes me believe that he then would be tracking the he'd be tracking where the the suits would be too. I don't know if it's been established that he knows who Bruce, you know, who Batman is and who who Red Robin is, but if he doesn't, it seems just really stupid to basically put yourself in a position where you are taking somebody. Who is in a suit that is potentially corrupt to your base of operations and, and potentially exposing yourself to whoever's behind it? That seems like a dumb thing. But the question I have is more about the OMAX. So, the idea of the OMAX, OMAX have been around for years. Yeah,
1: Kirby creation.
0: It is, yes. I'm not as super familiar with them. I, I understand that Brother Eye controlled the OMAX. And I know the, the extent of the Omex included in things like in Crisis and stuff like that. But my understanding only goes so far when it comes to these. So maybe you know a little bit more than, than I can do. But the idea of the OMAX, it's just basically like a computer, computerized suit that is controlled by Brother Eye. That's correct, yeah, right? Essentially. Okay.
1: Yeah. So In some iterations, they've been fully functional androids. That weren't you know didn't even weren't even a suit they were just androids but yeah
0: yeah okay so if that's the case the question i have is so the direction that they're going with this story tim drake basically being covered in this nanotech that is able to form a suit around him what is the reason behind having to have a person inside of the suit
1: well i think that you don't want uh, this is the old like robots versus humans thing from every science fiction movie ever right like um versus clones like people can still think and by turning them over into these omacs you still have a living breathing person there that's capable of ingenuity and creative thought you know what i'm saying it's the only thing I can think of.
0: Like Yeah, and I and that makes sense. I just don't see how that serves the purpose of what the, what Ulysses is trying to accomplish. Like if his idea is he's going to destroy everyone and he you know, he broadcasts to Tim and Cass that he plans to kill everyone soon enough to stand in his way, why would he want Tim Drake in one of those suits if that was the reasoning, like, you know, to have somebody still in the suit to have, you know, the the, the ability to think for themselves or whatever. i right? just that part of it doesn't make any sense. The colony members take the, take taking them over that makes perfect sense. He's going to basically use them as his foot soldiers in whatever he's planning and you know that's just what he did. But the Tim Drake part doesn't make a, a lot of sense to me. I don't understand why he's trying to control Tim Drake because if Tim Drake was one of the people he's trying to stop or trying to kill because he's trying to stop him then Why would he make him an OMAC?
1: Or he wants to make him the leader of the OMACs? I don't... I don't have a good... I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the only part that I was lost on because I just kept trying to wrap my head around, like, I don't understand his thought process of having Tim Drake be one of these. It's a whole different story of, like... Like, it didn't come across as the reason why this happened was by accident. It seemed like this is intended. He wanted this to happen to Tim Drake. And I don't understand at this point obviously it could be explained in the next panel on the next in the next issue but at this point i just don't understand what he was trying to accomplish or what he's trying to accomplish by having tim as part of this meanwhile like and the only reason i say that is because like on the helicarrier it's not like azrul and batwing are becoming omax there's you know like they're, they're just there and they see everybody else becoming omax so it's not as if they're, they're he's doing this to people who are potentially going to stop him right so that's where I was lost. The other thing I want to talk about, I don't have a whole lot to talk about with the art. And I'm I'm, I'm not just going to, I don't want to say, you know, what's your what's your favorite panel? Because I feel like if there's something to talk about like there was in the last issue yeah, we'll talk because about it. there was some great art, we'll talk about it. But I'm not going to force it. The thing I want to talk about here, or the last thing I want to talk about, is the fact that Bruce goes to Kate and basically questions whether or not she was involved. She denies it, explains what's happening, says she has nothing to do with it, and it makes it seem as if she's trying to like build that trust with Batman. But doesn't it seem a slightly out of place considering it hasn't even been that many issues since she just, she said she wanted to go off on her own? Why would she even have the like the desire to like try to build that trust or try to uh, you know appease Bruce, to to any degree, when she basically left the team abruptly um, after he, you know, was so upset about her decision-making process, and then she decided to go off on her own. I mean, like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with her going on her own. That's her choice. But the problem I'm having is wrapping my head around the idea that now she's trying to gain his trust.
1: I think it might just go back to the, there's certain people in life you don't want as an enemy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: her dad's a smart guy. She's smart. If you can make peace with Batman, you should probably make peace with Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, because if you don't, he's gonna win eventually. He's gonna hunt him down. He's you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it. I think it's the gesture of our life would be a lot easier if this was if we had peace. Do you know what I mean? That's the only thing that I. Can, that's the only thing I can get out of it.
0: Yeah, and I can see that too. It's just. To me, it feels like something drastically changed, like maybe at some point since the end of the storyline where Clayface died, the that story, when that story arc ended, I feel like something drastically changed where Tynan realized he wasn't going to be on Detective Comics because of his commitments to other stuff, and they've changed something. And the only reason I say that is because it wasn't, it was like, I want to say it was either last issue or two issues ago where Jacob Kane said, you know what? We don't need to have the colony in Gotham. We can be so much bigger than that. We can leave Gotham and we can be a worldwide. And, you know, he made this big deal about that. And here we are and they're in Gotham and they're at Kane Manor. And instead of on the helicarrier out doing whatever they're doing, it just seems like it's, it seems like weird timing. Like he just made the comment about not being in Gotham, but here they are in Gotham trying to basically explain the actions that they had no control over in the first place. It just seems weird. And I definitely agree. I mean, obviously they don't want Batman as an enemy. If they're out there doing what they're doing, you know, if they're not, and that's what the whole point was. I thought the whole point was, if they were outside of Gotham, they weren't going to necessarily have to be worrying about Batman and the Bat family. And they could do things the way they, you know, they want to do. And if that means, like, taking a more militaristic approach to eliminating threats and things like that, so be it. Because it's outside the realm of Gotham City, which then doesn't necessarily fall in the same umbrella as what Batman's concerned with. That was my understanding. But but here, it just seems like they're trying to, like, roll back and say, you know what, maybe we are here in Gotham. Maybe we don't want Batman as an enemy. Maybe we need to make sure that Batman realizes we had nothing to do with that situation because we're only a couple issues away from the end of this story arc.
1: Probably. I mean, that's probably the realistic part. Of-
0: yeah, which is unfortunate because I. it always feels like... Not always, but in most cases, it feels like... Because if going by interviews that Titan had done previously... He said he wanted to be on the book until 1,000, and I mean, I think we all assumed he was going to be on the book until 1,000 until it was announced that he wasn't going to be on the book. It wasn't until much of a secret,
1: was it? Like it's—I thought that's what was it, we were doing here.
0: Yeah, I thought that's what we were doing too, especially with Tom King going and saying that he was going to be on Batman until 100. I mean, like I just assumed that that was what was going to be going or happening going forward. And it was actually probably more of a surprise when it was announced that he was not going to be on the book, and his last issue was going to be at the end of May. I think I was more surprised by that than anything else specifically. But I think ultimately what it was, was he has, you know, on Twitter, he's talked about Justice League Dark and how this was one of the projects, like when he started working in comics, this was a project that he wanted to work on more than anything else. And honestly, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, he probably cannot do two issues of Detective Comics per month on top of doing Justice League Dark which is only a monthly, but that's still, I don't know that he could do that, because he has other projects that he has done outside of DC, too, that, you know, I don't know that he would want to put himself in a position where he couldn't do other things outside of DC Comics, so it was more of a, does he take his dream project of Justice League Dark, and end his run on Detective Comics, or does he try to figure out some way of managing both of them, and then potentially having one not as good as it could be because he's he's trying to juggle too much and that's what it comes across as but it it feels like when stuff like this happens where the assumption is that their their creator is on the book for a set amount of time and then suddenly something happens where that doesn't end up being the case it feels as if the story somehow adjusts and this is to me this is one of those situations where i just feel like the story has now somehow adjusted to make for make make for the fact that he's leaving the title in the end of may which you know is only like three issues away at this point so yeah it's
1: unfortunate but i think you're probably right
0: all right so this issue i'm going to give a total of three out of five
1: yeah three out of five sounds about right
0: and over on the website ian gave it three and a half so that's going to give detective comics a total of three out of five bad ranks that is all of our in-depth reviews let's head over to the site for greater gotham Alright, so moving into Greater Gotham. First up, we have on April 4th, main TBU books where he talks about Batman 44. Nightwing, number 42. On a vacation in Japan, Nightwing must battle through a building of thugs to rescue Robin. This is by Paul. He gave it 2 out of 5. and give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Harley Quinn, number 41. Harley returns to Coney Island to fight the Penguin. Along the way, making her friends believe in her again. This is by David. He gave it th- 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Secondary TV books, Batman White Knight, number seven. Everyone picks a side and prepares for the final battle while Joker aligns himself with an unlikely ally. This is by Adele. He gave it five out of five, and he gave this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up, and
1: I just want to put this
0: one little point out
1: there, super quick discussion point. There isn't many times where I read something and I get to look back at a classic story and say, geez, that's how they should have done it. But the way they handled Jason Todd's death in this is the, it's, it's brilliant. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so well done. It's such a good idea.
0: Which, funny enough, it actually all happened the way it did by accident. Really? So the thing is that it turns out, so after this issue came out, Sean Murphy actually went on Twitter and was addressing some people saying, why was Jason Todd around before Dick Grayson? And the idea Was he didn't know that he didn't know about Jason Todd and the Order of the Robins prior to doing this series? He always knew who Dick Grayson was, he always knew who Tim Drake was. He didn't actually know where Jason Todd fit into the continuity aspect of of everything. So, when he, he needed something to happen to cause Harley to leave the Joker and say, I don't want anything to do with you, or you know I've given up hope on you. He needed something to happen, and he used the death of Jason Todd, but he didn't actually realize in continuity in the normal comics where it all fit with Jason Todd dying. Okay. So that's why it ended up working the way it did in the series. Not, And that's not necessarily saying what you're saying about how they ended up working the entire characterization of Jason Todd. I'm just saying it was interesting to hear that he, as a creator didn't wasn't aware of how the character was actually you know how the character actually worked out in the comics because he didn't know about how everything was published prior to doing the series, and by the time he did it, there was no way to go back and fix it so
1: it just was cool. I just like the idea that because it does leave a very obvious place to go for the next chapter of the story, like where yes. is Jason you yeah. know.
0: Justice League number 42, as Wonder Woman lies injured, the Justice League's predicament in Africa continues to worsen. This is by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral.
1: Thumbs down. I just didn't like it.
0: Deathstroke number 30, a vault is broken into, and Batman gets a lead on a case that he was not expecting. This is due by Jessica. She gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Secondary DC Universe Books, Bombshells United number 15, digital chapters number 29 through 30. The bombshell versions of Elisa Yao, Frankie Charles, Batgirl, Black Canary, Killer Croc, and Riddler all appear in the issue. Injustice 2 number 23, which includes digital chapters number 45 through 46. The Injustice versions of Batman, Damian Wayne, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, and Black Canary, Athanasia Al Ghoul, Raz El Ghoul, Jason Todd, and The Batcave all appear in the issue. Superman number 44. Nobody and bat appear in the issue, along with Bizarro versions of Robin, Riddler, Scarecrow, Joker, Solomon Grundy, and Goliath. Now, moving into April 11th, we have main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl in the Birds of Prey number 21. Calculator is ruthlessly searching for Oracle and doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 21 while Artemis... Attempts to help Bizarro deal with his addiction and the impending loss of his intellect. Jason comes head to head with the Penguin. This is you by Bill. He gave it three out of five, and we give this one a neutral.
1: Neutral, trending towards thumbs up. I like the book overall.
0: I like the book overall too. I just feel like this Bizarro thing has been going on. It does seem like it's like way too long.
1: All right, guys, let's wrap it up.
0: Yeah. Um, secondary TV books there were none that week main DC Universe books Titans number 22 the Justice League faces a major crisis while Roy goes up against a crisis of his own this is by Jessica she gave it three out of five I'm gonna give this one a neutral neutral Justice League of America number 28 the JLA fights a smorgasbord of history's finest warriors as their fight with Kronos escalates this is by Tony he gave it three out of five I'm gonna give this one a neutral neutral suicide squad number 39 the suicide squad faces off against the wall while the lives of everyone in Washington DC hang in the balance this is you by Paul he give it two and a half out of five I'm gonna give this one a thumbs down
1: thumbs down is trash
0: yes it is and and the thing is the one thing that I, there, there's a couple things number one part of the reason not not just this is not one of the only reasons but part of the reason I feel like this series has been so lacking is the distinct vision for the arts and this has happened in other series as well like just league just League of america it feels like they just get someone to come in for three issues or two issues or one issue and there's not a consistent group of artists attached to a title that needs to be something that like no matter what type of book it is whether it comes out twice a month whether it comes out once a month whether it comes out every other month there should always be a distinct tone for the art you know we've seen detective comics have a number of creators come through but they're all very similar in style they're not very different you know with the stuff that's been happening in batman we've had distinct art teams attached to it where there are certain teams that are that are meant for certain types of stories joel jones was meant for a specific type of story mikhail janin is meant for a specific type david finch has been on specific stories but it's specific suicide squad has tended to tell one really really long story that just keeps going just like Red Hood and the Outlaws has been just it just keeps going
1: but it's but it's interesting at least <laughs> yes Red Hood and the Outlaws is
0: interesting I, I yes that's that's true the suicide squad on the other hand it's it's not interesting and not just because of the art but because it just doesn't feel like there's a definitive direction that they're trying to head you know, at, at a certain point, something happens, and you're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But then you get to the next issue, and it just feels like, what? You know, if if you've been following along in, in Suicide Squad, you'll know that Hack, which was a member, you know, which everyone just assumed was a throwaway character, she was murdered by a member of the team. It was later revealed who, the, like, and let me put this in perspective. This book has been coming out for almost two years. She was murdered within the first year, I believe. Then it was revealed, like, months after that, who it was who killed her. Then she was just dead, and then everything was fine. But here we are, you know, just a couple of months shy of the two-year mark, and the series has revealed that she is still alive, but she was in this digital state, and now she tries to attempt to take revenge on the team. Brutal. But then, randomly, they they just they just randomly skip the conclusion of that and go into this other story featuring some other character. Like... It just doesn't make any sense like what they're trying to accomplish my hope is that come june the book is coming the, the book is turning to monthly instead of twice per month which is a is a step in the right direction the another step in the right direction would be to get a creative team specifically an artistic on the artistic side of it the art a team that is attached to the book for more than just a couple of issues and then the other part of it would be they need to just do something fresh and new, and that might happen because the rumor is that outside of the big marquee books like Batman Detective Comics and some of the other books, and I say that knowing that stuff has already changed on some of them, but like Greg Rucca was originally on one Woman he was only on it for about a year. Some of these other books it the word out there amongst the interwebs is that uh, a lot of the creators had two- year contracts for the series that we're launching with rebirth Um, regardless of how many issues it was it was actually two-year contracts so some of those contracts are going to be coming up very shortly here that could explain why james tyne actually was on detective comics for only two years um i mean he literally was on for uh you know june of 2016 through may of 2018 so that's that's two years um there's other titles that are doing they're having similar situations happen some of them are happy a little bit earlier but like Backroll and the birds of prey it's ending about two months earlier than the two-year mark but it's still it's just about there so it makes sense that some of the stuff is happening we're seeing that Backroll has a fill-in writer for the month of june who knows if that's going to happen in july because we haven't heard anything about that book but some of these books could be seeing drastic changes coming to them after their books hit the two-year mark.
1: Well, this one needs a drastic change.
0: Yes, this one does. And I feel as if, and this isn't saying anything against Rob Williams because I don't know what else he's done outside of Suicide Squad. I've only read this and know that he's worked on this. I just haven't found this to be enjoyable at all. I feel like they had a direction they wanted to do. It got screwed over by the idea that Jim Lee was supposed to be on the series, but then they had to chop up the amount that he was actually doing and fill it in with these backup stories that didn't necessarily add to anything to the story. So the, the first like six months that series was coming out, it just felt like completely disjointed because you're getting two issues per month, but you're only getting about one issue of the full story.
1: It it was a mistake to put the big name talent in the book. Just put the book out there. If you want to have them do some variant covers, Fine. I mean,
0: I know why they they did it right when Suicide Squad came out on, you know, in theaters. So, I mean, I know why they did it. It just feels like that that was like basically it screwed them out before they even got started by doing that. I mean, like that was the biggest problem. And now and then ever since that happened, I mean, we've literally just been going through a constant rotation of who's available to be on Suicide Squad. And I feel like that's been hurting the book, too. But, yeah, I definitely want to see a new direction with, with with the book. Hopefully, by the time August rolls around, which would be Please. the two-year mark, we'll definitely see something change. So, Okay, Trinity number 21. The Trinity continues to uncover Demos' agendas and mys- the mysteries of the Blue Strike Security. This is by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Yeah, neutral. Secondary DC Universe books, The Immortal Men, number one, The Batman Who Laughs appears in the issue. New Superman and The Justice League of China, number 22, The Batman of China appears in the issue. Sideways, number three, The story continues to take place in Gotham City and the GCPD make an appearance. Finally, trades and card covers have released over the past two weeks include Batman Detective Comics, volume five, A Lonely Place of Living, trade paperback. Batman Dark Knight Detective, volume one, trade paperback. Justice League The Rebirth Volume 2 Deluxe Edition Hardcover Suicide Squad Volume 5 Hopes and Fears Trade Paperback. The DC Universe by Brian K. Vaughn Trade Paperback. Says so everything that's released in the past two weeks. If we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral rating, all of those comics have full synopsis and reviews over on the website for you to check out. So I strongly suggest you do that. Every Wednesday, you can get all the Batman centric books. Wednesdays, all the greater Gotham specifically the other characters within the batman universe and then on friday is all of the dc universe books that have batman universe characters appearing in them and such so definitely check that out every single week over on the site literally there like i said earlier there's tons of books that we cover those numbers might be dwindling down in the coming months but it could be (laughs) there's still lots there so check that stuff out also be sure to check out the website for other editorials that release, like I said, we don't always have a ton planned in or in the pipeline planned, but every once in a while something really unique pops up and gets a lot of attention, like the depths of continuity article that Josh put together for Batman number forty-four. So definitely check that out. We also have a new character spotlight. If you want to learn more about Professor Pig, quite honestly, if you watch Gotham. You're probably not coming over here to listen about the comics. But that's not to say if you read the comics, you don't you might want to learn more about Professor Pig. But I doubt that somebody from the mainstream who did not read comics prior to watching Gotham and is watching Gotham is seeking out the comics podcast to learn more about Professor Pig. I doubt that's happening. But if you head over to the website, you can learn more about Professor Pig. There's a two part character spotlight as you're listening to this both parts have actually released so head over to the comic editorial section and check that out as well that was put together by colin so outside of that we're going to jump into our listener q a's <laughs> boy did you get a
1: wrong number and leave your message at the sound of the shriek
0: Ah! We only have actually one listener Q&A, so it'll be a little bit shorter than normal. The comment comes from Ian. He says, I'm quite intrigued by the Carrie Kelly young adult story. It doesn't sound like it's going to be through Black Label. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Miller to work with ink for it. But since he's working on Superman Year One, I think it's likely to be about two years before he even gets to it and they have to worry about where it releases it. As for why not use the Elseworlds name, I think it's because Black Label sounds more sophisticated. Very true. Um, Before I get to your second part of your comment, I will say this. It is happening through Black Label. It's confirmed to be happening through Black Label. When DC was at WonderCon and they ran a video package promoting the Black Label titles, Frank Miller specifically talked about that title. Um, I will also say that I don't think it's going to be happening that far out because we've already seen some concept art, which means there's probably already, if they've found an artist, he probably already has some of the story. I mean, like, we don't have any idea how. We've seen
1: work. art from the book, yeah.
0: Yeah, we don't know how it's going to release because they have the, as they pointed out at WonderCon, the DC Black Label stuff is going to be completely creator-dependent. Um, whatever their wishes are as far as whether or not it's a graphic novel or a miniseries or whatever, it's up to them to decide. So that being said, I have a hard time believing that he had this idea for a Carrie Kelly story and decided to pitch it to DC. They said, okay, sounds great, we'll let you do this. They went and found an artist, but he hasn't got any scripts, but the artist was already working on concept art. It just doesn't seem feasible. I feel like Superman Year One is going to be coming out sooner but i feel like that carrie kelly story could be coming out you know and in the other point i mean like i don't see like there's a specific need for one you know they it's not like they couldn't overlap there's no reason they couldn't so just to be clear it is not going to be a part of zoom and Inc. and the reason why is because black label as i said in the last episode is not meant to be a mature area is meant to be just creator focused and yeah, off stories. So the idea that is a young adult thing has to be DC Zoom or DC Inc., it's not the way they're working this stuff. And I don't know that, honestly, they could put Frank Miller's book name on a book and sell it the way they could the DC Zoom and Inc. stuff anyway. So, All right, so the second part says, way back in Simone's first run on Birds of Prey, number 89, Babs did tell Jim that she was back on the past, and he said he knew all along. The Benson's writing Green Arrow is great, and it goes to it goes to what I'm saying. Writers should write good characters. If men can write good female series, why do women get stuck with only female characters, or vice versa? Exactly, I agree. Anybody and everybody should be able to write anybody and everybody. It doesn't make a difference gender, sex, uh, sexuality, race. None of that should have any concern whatsoever. On who does it? It just depends on who's got the best story to tell. Hundred I mean, honestly, that's, that's my, my uh, take on it.
1: I agree 500%, but I would like to see more female writers in the mainstream. I'm totally like, give me something new. Give me something good is all I care about. But I would like to see a female on, like, Green Lantern or Batman or Flash. Just because I feel like sometimes we pigeonhole them too much. Like, oh, we got a new Catwoman book. Let's put a girl on it. You know? Like... Batman's been around for, well, 75-plus years. And we haven't had a female writer on Batman. I I think it's time to put
0: one on there. All right. So that is all of our listener Q&As. If you have a comment that you would like us to talk about in the next episode or anything that we talked about this episode, be sure to leave your comments on the comments section. Outside of that, uh, before we wrap everything up, I want to thank our Patreon supporters for the month. Thank you, Lisa, Jerry, No Deuces, Stephanie, Ian, Robert, Anthony, and Emil. Thank you all for supporting us as well as everybody who's supporting us at the lower tiers as well. We greatly appreciate your support helping bring this podcast as well as other podcasts and the other content that we have to fruition on the website. So thank you very much for your support. If you are so inclined to support TBU, you can support us by heading over to the website, clicking on the Patreon link, or you could just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanuniverse. That is where you will find us at. There is a number of rewards that you can earn. As I said before, I'm probably going to rework some of that. I keep saying this, but there is so much stuff that happens on a weekly basis just to, get the, just to have the website with the reviews and the news and that stuff. It's become extremely time-consuming for me to work on some of these other projects. So that being said, if you don't want to support us with money and you'd like to share your talents in some way, shape, or form, whether it be potentially being on a podcast, whether it be writing articles, reviewing comics on the website, writing news, if you have any skills in audio editing, graphic design, web developing, video editing, any of that kind of stuff, we are always looking for people with any of those talents to help us out with a variety of different projects that we have over on the site but those are the two ways you can support us at this point any help would be greatly appreciated but if you don't leaving comments and just saying that you appreciate the podcast is always super helpful too because that just boosts our morale so outside of that be sure to check out the website for all these news related to movies tv merchandise video games and of course the comics also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer over on the website. There's lots of episodes posting while you're listening to this. The website might have might be a little bit slow. That's because I'm going on vacation. And if you have, if you pay attention to everything that happens on the website, everything tr- I, I I have been very good about trying to get everything up and running. But as you're listening to this, I'm actually on vacation, so I'm working a little bit slow at a slower pace because i'll be working at night after my kids go to bed while i'm on vacation to get stuff posted on the site so we recorded this and scheduled it out so it would release while i'm on vacation but that is currently why things might be running a a little bit slow but outside of that hopefully you guys check out everything that we have to offer because we have tons of stuff that we offer every single week Outside of that, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And as I said, leave your comments on the podcast episode over on the site. With that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe comic podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.